pandemonium reigns. Week six of the college football season is in the books. You boys are here to talk about it. Appreciate you letting us tickle them ears. Today, we're going to be recapping the Red River rivalry. <laughs> Said it with a wisp. Uh, Ags at Bama, or excuse me, Bama at the Ags. And the Kentucky, or the artist formerly known as Kentucky and Georgia. But first, just some things to tap into. Uh, tap in number one. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Uh, number two, the NCAA still sucks because of this whole Tez Walker thing. Uh, did register some stats. How the garbage that is the NCAA. I mean, at this point, you 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 almost got to give the kid another like year of eligibility to make up for your 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 ridiculousness in your decision making. Yeah, yeah. You still five weeks, five weeks of his junior year. Um, at the best school that he's been at, he played his way into this school with the new, with with what the transfer portal cur- currently is. He he tallies six catches in his first uh, his first game in action thanks to the NCAA. Uh, so you know they give him a let's see they give him a four week suspension basically because that's North Carolina's fifth win and he was a part of that. And that's just garbage. I mean, think about if you do that to somebody in the real world where it, you, how you're suspended without pay for these weeks. No real reason. It's just us. We suck. Think oh, about yeah. that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's, it's garbage. Yeah, yeah. So happy for him to get in, get in the game, get some catches. Syracuse doing the thing that they always do, beating up on nobody. Life's getting real for them the last couple of weeks against Clemson, North Carolina. But happy for Tens. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In uh, other news, also before we get started, Shadur Sanders. I don't think he knew that they were playing at uh, Arizona State. Like what? They're bro. They were one in five. One in five. Yeah. Yeah, one in five, and this this I think is is reality for Colorado winning a game against a one win team, celebrating it like it's a almost said Super Bowl. I think I'll say it, stick with it, and barely squeaking it out. That's that's reality for this team. Sure, you you shocked TCU, done all the things that we've seen and been elated to watch at times, and has electrified the sport. But I don't understand the whole student section interaction there in that game at all, at all. I don't get it. I don't get it. Last thing, I'm gonna end with a question here. What's Miami doing? What are what you doing, bro? What are you just kneel? Just kneel. Is it is it arrogance? Is it was it ego? What like what what is what is your thought process, homeboy? Because you get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions, and every every person in this world who has an ounce of football knowledge. Knows you kneel that ball. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah, and and if it was the first time this had happened, I could go with you know arrogance, ego. Now I think it's maybe more into IQ and just game management, win management because that's a win out of your hands that you gave away. When I describe, I described that scenario to someone at church yesterday. Uh, on Sunday, that is, and and I told them, yeah, yeah, you know, Miami could have kneeled the clock out. They had it in their favor, had about a minute left. No, no, it was under 30 seconds. You yeah. had one snap. You kneel it one time. That's what I forgot, and even I watched that game real time Saturday night, and my, just, my jaw was on my hardwood floor in my living room watching it because I couldn't believe it. Now, also, that's as close as it'll ever get to a fumble. The biggest thing is you never take that chance. You kneel the dang clock out. You – you're under 40 seconds. You nail it. The coaches and the players walk to midfield. It's over. And you yeah. gave Georgia Tech a win. And listen, I've, I've had mixed feelings about Mario Cristobal for a long time. People said when, you know, Tennessee was looking for a coach, hey, they should swing for the fences and go get Mario Cristobal. And I didn't think that was a swing for the fences top move. There's just issues. There are issues. This is a big one. This is the second time it's happened in the same fashion when you could have ended the game with knees and – Simple, simple, simple plays where you're not fighting for yards with no time left. That's terrible football. That's that's Jones and Dooley level football that you do not do not travel into. I I got no words. No, no, I think that's worse. That's that's worse than Butch, man. I yeah, it that's, is. That's the mm, it's bad. Because, Real because bad. we saw Jimbo Fisher travel into Butch Jones territory with some of the punt fourth down decisions. That's yeah. that's Bush Jones territory. This yeah. is worse. You're right. This is much worse. 
I, there's just no explanation for it. There is no explanation for it. And what what's what, what makes matters even worse? You're living in such a in such an age where where media and content drives society and it drives culture. And now you have content of Miami players in tears on the sideline, crying over your mistakes, your sins. And the last time we saw prominently a football player crying on the sideline, it was Tim Tebow losing in the SEC championship game. But here you are, you're Miami, the you, right? These, These documentaries out on you and who you are. Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Who you used to be. Who, who you, you were. Who you used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you were. And you do that. And 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 that is one of those moves where any momentum you had, you let that go to Georgia Tech. Georgia freaking tech. You got you're room. you're taking steps in the right direction. I mean, you are. Your your NIL is among the best, and you need it because you have no home field advantage. You have no home stadium on campus, you need that NIL. You need the recruits that you've been landing. Francis Malignoa being a perfect example. He was not the one in tears over there saying, what the bleep are we doing? Yeah. Tears on the sideline. You need those guys to ever, ever, ever get back to any form of what used to be. Yeah. And now, and and now, after giving a game away when you should be 5-0, and you've got, you're, you're traveling to North Carolina. You're hosting Clemson. You've got NC State at NC State down the line. You haven't played Florida State. Louisville is doing things that we didn't think would be possible for any coach in year one, even Jeff Brom yeah. being there. Yeah. You're staring at so many more potential losses because of that when you should be five and zero. Yeah. No, it's no excuses, man. No excuses. And and just to go back to what to my point of what they were, you got into this game for free if you bought a ticket to the Texas A and M game. You got oh, to go facts. for free. You got to go for free to watch your coach hand the game away. And that's a shame. You know, the only thing worse than that decision was their uniform. What are we doing, Adidas? Can y'all please just knock it off? Please just cease and desist. Listen, I have to write I, up the form, formal notices. Please, please stop. If I'm Mario, if I am athletic director at Miami, first move is get us out from underneath Adidas. I don't care what kind of negotiation contract, what kind of favors we're getting from them. Get us out from this. And let's start watching middle school football and see how to manage games. There you go. That's there that's go. more like it. Hey, one more thing before we start tackling, you know, some 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 game reviews. It's an exciting day. Pandemonium reigns. We're going to introduce you to our very first sponsor in the middle of this episode. Told y'all it was coming. Took a little longer than we expected, but told y'all it was coming. So thank you so much for that, uh, for encouraging us, for hitting like and subscribe. Make sure you go ahead and do that right now on this video or wherever it is you're listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give this episode a five-star review. Tell your boys about your boys. So nonetheless, let's tap into week six, starting with Texas, Oklahoma, the wed wivel wivelwe. I can't stop saying this. I said it once. I can't stop. It keeps happening. So Texas went into this game, if I remember right, as five, yep, five and a half point favorites. The over-under was at 60 and a half. So they they uh, they hit the over by four. But Oklahoma won this game outright. And truth be told, I think that Oklahoma outcoached Texas. I think that Oklahoma outplayed Texas. I think that Oklahoma outphysical Texas. Uh, almost in every facet of the game, Oklahoma beat Texas. They were so cotton picking. I can say that because it's the bowl. Cotton picking, physical, and ready to play. And all the things that we said about Texas going into this game, going into the season, how the college football playoffs are right there for you. You know, we did a whole episode on these guys. You know, you've got a really favorable schedule. Now, I don't think that Texas is totally out of the college football playoff. They do need a little bit more magic to happen in order to get back into it. But now, everything that we said about Texas is now available to Oklahoma. 100%. Everything we said, and I think we even – danced around that in our preview of this game, that if Oklahoma were to win this game, just flip the script, just flip the names, and that's what Oklahoma's looking at because the schedules are fairly light on the back half for both these teams. But, yeah, Oklahoma 
blew me away. I think it's clear that they blew Texas away as well. That Texas, I, I don't, I don't know, man. How how they wouldn't be ready for a response like that from Oklahoma in this game? But that's the the feel that I, I kind of get. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan Gabriel was absolutely phenomenal. I didn't know, I didn't know he had a level in within him against an opponent like that in a moment like that. I knew he's a tough sure. gamer. He's like that Oklahoma quarterback that they always – okay, he's like Baker Mayfield is what I'm going to say. He's not like that Oklahoma quarterback that they always have. But, I mean, he was phenomenal. Leads them in rushing. He was phenomenal passing the ball. Uh, they they did this with some, some injuries at cornerback, which Texas should really be ashamed of with the receivers and the matchups that they can, can create. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, perhaps a little bit of clock mismanagement by Texas here as well. Obviously, yeah. it was fourth and three or – four um and you don't want to you know lose the game because you, you get cute in that moment you obviously take the points i think but could you have drained some more clock before you give the ball back to oklahoma i think you could have um, yeah. could have been a little bit more you know decisive and 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 to the point about when you're snapping the ball how you're picking up the yards how you're setting yourself up for what could have been a game-winning field goal yeah but how do you at this point at this point with the season that we saw Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma have a year ago, excuse me, how do you not have just massive, massive confidence in Brent Venables? I mean, I don't think there's any question now that last year's out the window. That's not going to be the reality for him as a head coach. Yeah. Perhaps he is built for this, which, you know, was again a question coming off of six and seven. Um, perhaps Dylan Gabriel's injury, his concussion last year played more into that than anything else. And, and the obvious loss of guys like Caleb Williams and, and transfers that you lose when you lose your head coach in Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. looks out the window to me. Looks totally in the rear view and, and down the road to me. Oh yeah, the, all those things are things of the past. Uh, yeah. Again, now you're—I mean—the college football playoffs are at your fingertips. All you have to do is just not screw it up from here on out. Yeah, and and like I think I think you just said that Texas all they all they're going to need is a little magic. Well, it, it looks set up here in in early October for a rematch of this game in the Big Twelve title game, and. It's it's been proven before that if you can go in and get rematch, uh, you can get revenge. Excuse me, in the rematch, you're probably looking at a birth yourself as long as you are clean the rest of the way out. Don't remember if we said this about Texas, but I think it's fitting. I think a loss for them can do wonders uh, for their motivation, for sure. their execution, taking them back to that physical place we saw them play uh, in in Alabama. I think it can take them back to that. Uh, but they obviously have to execute. They can't slip up again. They're not going to be a, a playoff team with two losses, obviously, even if they win the rematch, if they if they make it there. Um, and for Oklahoma, I mean, again, you're you're correct. They're they're looking just right at the door of the playoff berth. Oh yeah, it's on it's on the fingertips. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Dylan Gabriel a minute ago, and you've been alluding to Texas. I mean, Dylan Gabriel was fantastic. He only threw for a score, but he was a football player trapped at the quarterback position on Saturday. Uh, and then, um, just look at the other side for a second, Quinn Ewers, 31 for 37. So that completion percentage is fantastic. 346 yards, fantastic. Only one score, meh. Two picks, two very costly picks. And I believe he had a fumble as well. Let's see, let's see. Uh, Quinn Ewers did lose a fumble. Yes, you're correct. So you count for three turnovers, man. That's not going to cut it. No. And and the first pick was their first drive. The second pick was right there on the cusp of the end zone. It, I think it was a tip ball, so not totally on him, but very costly. And and losing a third one in a fumble, you, you can't do that in these in these types of games, in, in really any game. I mean, we'll talk about Alabama in a minute, and they got away with everything on their way to, to beating Texas A&M. I mean, lost every battle, just yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, but you, you typically, on average, you cannot do those things and, and win ball games, especially of the magnitude of the Red River robbery. Yeah, yeah. All right, so at this point, let's, at, let's, let's ask this question. Texas's stock, are you buying it or selling it? Still buying. Still buying. Still buying. Okay, why? Well, from one, uh, as, as, as good as their roster is, I'm impressed and and pleased to this point. Obviously, this game is disappointing. But what they've done to this point, big fan of. Winning in Tuscaloosa, massive fan of. You know, surprised still that they did it. Um, obviously, they've had help with transfers, but I like where they're at roster-wise. They're doing all the right things. They're recruiting the way that Texas should. Um, and again, the path through, through the rest of the regular season is really light. 
It just is a matter of execution. You're going to be better than the teams that you play, all of them, and you just have to go beat them. So, you know, a second regular season loss, I might be a seller at that point, but still going to choose to believe and, uh, you know, just take it for what it is that the, the turnovers and, and the, the costly issues in this game were probably the reasons they lost it. Yeah, for sure. The the only reason that I might even consider selling their stock at this point is what is just going to happen in, in, in the rest of the country? How is the Pac-12 going to unfold? Is Georgia going to win outright? You know, what 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 is what are we going to make of Alabama on the rest of the season? So there's still a possibility for them. And you have to like their odds if they get a rematch against Oklahoma and and win that game if they can if they can get their redemption basically as you were saying earlier which we've seen this movie before with just the roles reversed in in Texas and Oklahoma if they can do that uh then then you got to really like their chances to 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 get back into the playoff conversation which yep. again right now in this moment I don't think they're totally out of it they're just going to need some things to you know obviously go their way um yep Oklahoma buying selling Buying, buying, buying. Yeah. Because, uh, you know. Take my money. I was wrong. I was wrong about this game. I was wrong about Texas A&M, Alabama, and the outcome. Um, they they proved a lot to me because I didn't think they that I didn't think there was much of a path that they could win this game. Even though we said we wouldn't be surprised really unless Oklahoma ran away with it or, or something like that. I'm still surprised sitting here today uh, recapping this game. I'm still surprised that they were able to do it. Like I mentioned earlier about Dylan Gabriel, I didn't know he had that in him. And obviously going forward, in terms of after this year, it'll fall on Jackson Arnold or whoever else. If they add a transfer, you name it, it's going to fall on someone not named Dylan Gabriel. Uh, but I'm I'm a believer. Venables has one ever. I mean, he's got a signature win in year two, and I and sure I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt on basically what you were saying with last year and just the the injury to Dylan Gabriel because look what he brought to this game on Saturday. I mean. Uh, the running game, the throwing game, it was all there. The 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 energy. I mean, dude's dude's a ball player. Dude is a leader. Um, would kill to have a guy like this uh, on uh, on any fan on or, or any team who you're a fan of is what I should say. Uh, all right. So one last one last question before we hop off this segment. Jeff Levy. I think Jeff Levy had an incredible impact on this game, but my question is. Much longer before this guy's got a head coaching job, because how much longer are they going to start before they're going to start getting the Josh Heupel comparisons, right? Or even the Lane Kiffin okay. comparisons? I mean, it's got to be right there because the, the the things that you see Tennessee do since Heupel has been here with uh, spreading them out wide, the up tempo. I mean, the snapping of the ball every twelve to fourteen seconds. Seconds. Uh, 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 how how they work from the inside out to to the inside runs to to the quick screens to the deep ball. I mean, there's so many similarities there. Absolutely. I mean, for one, you know, he coached quarterbacks with Hopple in 2018 at UCF. He was then the OC and the QB coach the next year before going to to Ole Miss. Blaine Kiffin when he arrived for two years and mm-hmm. and there again having basically the Josh Hopple offense what we see today or have seen at Tennessee and what we've seen from Hopple all these years I mean he's 39 years old I would say it's getting a little late for I mean maybe. Not, not that he will never be it but I'm saying why hasn't it happened yet because yeah I mean again he wasn't doing huge things at schools before UCF in 2018 but it doesn't take long look at Dan Lanning I mean, he wasn't a coordinator mm. for very long before he got yeah. his opportunity. Uh, look at Hopple. I mean, you know, one head coaching stint, several OC and QB coach since uh, prior to his first head coaching opportunity. I don't, I don't know, man. What I don't know what people are waiting on at this point. Thirty nine years old. It's it's got to happen soon. I mean, how old is Alex Golish? He's he's you know right that. Yeah, and he he might be a little bit older. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the similarities are there. Those guys have all worked together. Alex Golish is 39 years old. I mean, it's, it's gotta be right there. It's gotta be coming soon. Gotta be coming soon. All right. Well, nonetheless, we both whiffed on this prediction. Uh, I believe you said, I got it written down right here. You said 4130 Texas. I said 3531 Texas. The final is 3430 Oklahoma. Hey, check this out, my man. For the first time ever, 
getting ready to bring to you our very first sponsor of the Pandemonium Reigns podcast. We're so excited to introduce you uh, our very first sponsor. Buying or selling a home can be a nightmare to do on your own or without the right help, which is why you need Lauren Foster. Lauren has been serving the North Georgia and Lake Lanier area for over five years. She is also a member of the KWC Million Dollar Club, meaning she's really good at finding your dream home. Certified and ready to serve Georgians all over Forsyth, Hall, and Dawson County. Contact Lauren Foster today at laurenfoster1 at kw.com. Again, that email is laurenfoster1 at kw.com. Give her a call or a text, 770-480-8009. Again, that's 770-480-8009. Your realtor for the North Georgia area, Lauren Foster, proud sponsor of Pandemonium Reigns. The Tide went into Aggieland and got her done beat the Aggies, beat the 12th man, beat the whole thing, overcame the minus one point spread to a final 26-20 Alabama. Okay, here's how I want to start this. All right. Who is, what is the West? The West is, the West is, I mean – Inches. I mean, you're, you're I mean front. It's, it's it's inches away from being decided is what it is. Yeah, because your front runner is Bama again. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to we're getting to a point where if Alabama continues to, I don't know. I mean, obviously they improve. They improve from the first half to the second half of this game substantially. But yeah. we're I mean we're getting to a point where Nick Saban is going to be coach of the year for you know whatever the hundredth time mm-hmm. in his career, and yep. it's not going to be arguable. Because you look back at them early season, you look back at them versus Texas, the mess, the mess in Tampa versus USF, the game where they just, you know, they wouldn't let Ole Miss be anything but little brother, and then this game, first half to second half on the road in the SEC, road opponents, I'm I'm sorry, road teams not performing well on the year, Jalen Milrow not having a great first half, and they just flex in that second half, they just flex their muscles for 30 minutes in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Wild. And 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 who saw, even if you take away the minus yards for Jalen Miller rushing, all right, because in college football, they count sacks towards the rushing department. Mm-hmm. So he's going to count for eight for 31. Putting Bama at a total of 23 yards rushing. 23 yards on 26 attempts. All right, so even if you do away with that, Jace McClellan, 12 for 45, Roy Dell Williams, six for nine. Uh, what is that math real quick? That's going to be 18 for 54. Four, yeah. Three yards of carry on the money. So if I tell you going to this game, uh, Bama's backs, 18 carries, 54 yards. Oh, I'm going, oh, Aggies, Aggies. Yeah, I'm standing by what I said on the preview of this of this game, which I was as wrong as I've been at any point probably that we've previewed. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that all day right there with you. I mean, just look at Milrow. Yeah, he, he was he was negative 31 yards on the day with the sacks included. Mm-hmm. His long run was 12. Yeah. If there's ever a game that they win where his long run is 12, I'm, I'm really raising eyebrows. I mean, I'm, I really have questions, and I'm saying, how the, how the heck? Yeah. How, how did they do oh, it? Yeah. Well, they, they did it because of his arm. They did it because of Milrow's arm for the it's first wild. time since – Maybe Bryce Young was hurt in 2022. They win a game because of Jalen Milrow's arm. Obviously, Jermaine Burton having his – I'm going to – look, I know he's done some things in Crimson. I'm calling that his his Crimson breakout. You can't really change my mind on that when he has 197 yards and two touchdowns, and he just abuses whoever they have on him. Uh, Isaiah Bond doing some of the things that I've been missing from him. Uh, seven catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. To me, he is like – he should be the continuation of what they've done with mm-hmm. the receivers. He's not – obviously, he's not Amari Cooper. He's not Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. He's not those guys. But, dang, he's fast. Dang, he's shifty. Just been wondering where it was. And they break out with that performance on the road in College Station. A million fans on hand, and they, they didn't care. Yeah. I mean, the the you pointed out Burton's performance. I mean, that's one of those that can alter your season and, and send it in like an incredible – I mean, look what the, what the Bama game did for Jalen Hyatt. Exactly. 
So that that alone, obviously the 22, uh, 2022 reference there. But I went I, we when we recorded this going into this game, <clears throat> I told you that Milrow would be your X factor, but I never would have told you that he would have this kind of impact through the air. 21 for 33, 327 yards, three scores, and a pick. This is the crap that scares me with him and uh, pair that way he's capable of doing with his legs and just the fact that he's in a crimson jersey. That's that's the stuff that scares me with him. A hundred percent. That's, you know, he's, he's tapping into whatever his, and I think he's still got a higher level up. Let me say that. I'm not going to diss the kid or say that he's reached his peak, but he's, he's showing you what his ceiling really can be if he can find consistency, if he can stop throwing the ball to the other team. And look, he's done that a lot. He's been on the ground a whole lot because they're they're raising this offensive line from the true ground up. I mean, true freshman left tackle uh, mm-hmm. rotating guys there because they're not getting you know they're not getting any consistency there. They're doing it despite that they've done all those things wrong to the tune of one loss to a good Texas team, even though they just took a loss themselves, a good Texas team, a, a Texas team that's really strong in their defensive front. Their entire front seven is really strong. And he's just showing you what Pete Jalen Milrow could look like whenever he finds that consistency, whatever it looks like within him. Yeah, dude. And 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 consider this. He was sacked six times. Six times. And he continued to play through that. And, and what's funny is – um, what was the slogan for the Alabama offensive line going into the season? Do you remember this stuff? The term that I heard was murball and you know, yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah. get back to that, that type of game that they used to play. I don't know how a guy like Milrow gets sacked six times when you have the ability in the little things to, you know, move the pocket three step snap ball. I mean, I, I just don't get it. But here, here's uh, another stat before we begin to wrap this thing up. Combined, A&M and Bama, less than 100 yards rushing. Jeez. Less than 100 yards rushing. But they threw it all over the yard. Jo- Johnson was 14 for 25 for 239. And as we mentioned, Milrow, 21 for 33 for 321. Who would have, you know, who's predicting that? Man, if, if anybody predicts that, I'm calling you, you know, Nostradamus after that game. Uh, yeah. Once it plays out, because I would never listen to you if you called that before, called for that before the game. Um, time of possession, I mean, less than two minutes separating it. What what an even game. Mm-hmm. Minus, again, Milrow tapping into, I, again, I think what, what really could be his ceiling, you know, with more protection, with more fine-tuning of his arm, and really probably his mind taking him out of those bad spots that he that he can find himself in. Uh, the defensive lines were both terrific. Alabama's winning out, even despite the guys they lost last year. Yeah. Losing a Will Anderson, and you're still just taking it right at a, a very talented uh, – excuse me, let me say star talented. We don't necessarily – I'm going to say we don't necessarily know what Texas A&M is still yet. Yeah. Because they just don't yeah. execute and when the moment's the biggest. You know, at sure. Miami – hosting Alabama, they just don't execute when the moment's at its truly its, its biggest that it can be. Yeah. But, again, the run games do nothing. The quarterbacks both perform. And what I'm going to need from you is to say, when when it comes time to preview week seven, that that Joe Milton will be the X factor in the, the Tennessee-Texas A&M game. Because, you know, yeah, it's going to take something like that, I think, to, to find a similar result, a win against Texas A&M. Well, I, what I said going into this was – the things that you can do with Milrow's legs going into this, I think I spoke to things like quarterback power, quarterback sweeps, like find dynamic ways to to get him going and get him running. And he, and he strikes me as one of those guys as, you know, he gets his hits out of the way, he starts to get into the feel of it, and as the game goes, he kind of gets better with the more contact that he, that he takes on. But I wasn't gonna predict him to throw for plus three hundred and and have yeah. minus thirty in rushing. I'm that wasn't gonna happen. No. So, and so. and you said this a minute ago. You said he took six sacks, which is basically again what Alabama's dealing with on a weekly basis. I mean, their left tackle Proctor got abused by South Florida. So he he had two true rushes, or maybe one was a scramble, maybe one was designed, whatever. He 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 took off two times that weren't a sack because he yeah. had six sacks. Eight total carries for negative, you know, well into the negative yards, a long of twelve, and I would 
again, there's just not a chance that I'm predicting Alabama to win a game where that's the case and the opponent's decent. Not a chance. Not a chance. And I'm not even sure a Connor Wagman, if you insert him into that day and that moment and that time, really makes a difference. I don't think so. Uh, I think if anything, you know, Gary Danielson beat this into the ground during the broadcast. But he, when when Alabama was really responding and they were scoring some points, moving the ball, he was talking about Texas A&M going directly to their playmakers, Evan Stewart and I Smith. And and listen, Smith has four catches, eighty eight yards. Evan Stewart three catches, forty six yards. They that's seven total catches between those guys. You're going to tell me you couldn't find any more for those guys to do. That's what I'm saying. Uh, not neither one have a rush attempt. That's that's it. You give them three to one guy, four to another guy. That's that's. I don't think that's it. Whether that's Petrino, whether that's Max Johnson, whether it's just Alabama taking it away, I don't know. But yeah. I agree. I don't think I don't think Wigman is the difference there. He's good. He is good. But look, Max Johnson was taking some monster hits, yes, backing away and putting the ball in really catchable spots a lot of times, which worries me greatly for Tennessee because I think they can pressure him. But can they prevent the catch if they do pressure him and he gets the yeah. ball off? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He 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 was very tough. He is far from the reason that Texas A&M lost that game. I think that really falls on their secondary more than anyone because you let you you're the guys that Milrow breaks out against. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Milrow and Burton. Yeah, Burton. Yeah, Burton. Milrow and Jermaine Burton. Hundred percent. All right. Well, going into this, let's see. We both said Texas A&M. I said Texas A&M 28 You said A&M 23-13. We went 0-2 so far. It was Bama 26-20. And the only thing that I want to say before we drop this segment is I felt stupid old because I remember as a kid watching Brad Johnson, the dad of quarterback and tight end, and now I'm watching his kids play. Getting on up there in age, man. It's happening very fast. Hey, Dan, uh, who's on deck? Who who we talk about next? Kentucky, Georgia. Kentucky, Georgia, where the coach of Kentucky, the greatest con man in the sport, Mark Stoops, who has the most relaxed job in the face of college football, and yet he stays in that job because it's too good to pass up. In 10 years, this being his 11th year there, the man has two wins, two in 10 years, over SEC teams that finished with a winning conference record. Now, let me let me ask you this real quick before we get into this game, okay? Is Florida going to win, or are they going to finish the year with a winning conference record? Is Florida going to finish the year with a winning conference record? So they've already got one. They're one and one, right? No, they, they, are, they played Vanderbilt. Hang yeah, on. They're, they're, they're two and one currently. Two and one. So wins over us. Went over Vanderbilt, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Traveling the, to South Carolina next. And the loss to? Kentucky. That's – oh, God. <laughs> um, traveling to South Carolina next. That's uh, – I'm, I'm – I'm, listen, if I'm buying or selling stock on, on Florida, I'm selling it. I'm going to say losing – let, Let's say 500 at best, which does – does not count in the oh, stat because it's a I'll winning take that for sure. Record. For sure. Okay. Is Vanderbilt going to finish with a winning conference record? No. Okay. No. So putting that to bed, the man's won two games in 10 years against SEC teams with mm-hmm. a winning conference record. He's a con man. People, all right, I talked to way too many people, and by that I mean like two or three people, uh, probably two, that, that were like, yeah, Kentucky's going to go down there. They're going to have something for him, man. Oh, yeah, you just wait and see. Still Are we seriously still doing this? Are yeah, we know, still right? doing this, people? Yeah. What what kills me about that are 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 the fans, and you slap me if I ever speak like this, are the fans who speak like they're on the team, like they yes. are uh like we got something for them, like we coming. Like who who are you? <laughs> I rem- I rem- you you and I, probably like the week before I got married, we go to the Tennessee Arkansas State game, twenty fourteen. Yes. And we're running into Arkansas State fans. We got something for y'all today. We're going to show the SEC what it's all about. Tennessee, a bad Tennessee team, wallops that Arkansas State team, obviously. Sure. We got to stop, people. We have to stop. We got to realize a con when we're sitting in the middle of a con. And that's what this Kentucky team is. They are another Kentucky team 
that's going to go eight and four, probably nine and three potentially. And, and listen, they've done that a couple times, right? That yeah. Stoops has done that, mm-hmm. and and all that has netted him is two two of those wins that I've talked about. Yeah. All right, Kentucky, they're going to host Missouri coming up. Then they're going to host. Oh no, yeah, they're they got both these games at home. They get Missouri and Tennessee at home next after a bye week. So they've got a chance to do some bouncing back. But when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road, they get walloped 51 to 13. Oh, yeah. And large in part, I'm going to go back to what I said on the preview. Large in part, you basically tried to beat Georgia at their own game. Yes. I don't know why you're not taking this approach of, let's play with house money, man. Let's let's let it loose. Because at the end of the day, they're still Georgia, and you're still Kentucky, all right? They're yes. still a football school, and you are still a basketball school. Let it rip. I mean, what are you playing for by by the end of the season? I mean, honestly, are you are you playing for the East? You've never won it. You've never won the East. South Carolina's won the East. They've done it once since 1992, but you've never done it. You've never won this division. So are you, are you really going to tell me that you're in the same tier? I mean, think back to, take your mind back to 2013 Tennessee, Georgia. We had no business competing with those guys, but we took them into overtime because we played with house money because they had a lot to lose, right? They had everything to lose and we had nothing to lose and we just let it rip. And Kentucky's over here almost like with their nose up saying, yes, we're, we're Kentucky, right? We, we belong. You, you've done nothing to prove that you belong. And I'm not sitting here saying that that Tennessee has because what 2022 in the last two decades. That's, I mean that, that's yeah. really all we've done. Yeah, 15 so, years before that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't let the listeners hear that I'm that I'm that I'm saying that you're not on the same level as Tennessee. I'm saying that you're not in the same level as Georgia, and you need to stop acting like it. And this has really nothing to do with your fan bases. You you told me as players and as a culture and as a coaching staff come Saturday night. How you thought about yourself in in light of your opponent being Georgia, and you thought you were going to beat them at their own game, and that you also were playing for a lot to lose, and it showed. It showed to a fifty-one thirteen beatdown. Yeah, uh, and and I can't I can't get past this enough. You don't do anything to get the ball to your playmaking wide receivers, which I'm saying for the fourth or fifth time here are among the best group of receivers that you've ever had. When, again, you've had one or two before. You've yeah. got three guys now that ain't bad and two right. that are pretty dang dynamic. Yes. And and all you want to do is you want to try traditional dropbacks. You want to try play-action dropbacks. When you run the ball, you're just going to run it off tackle left or right, or you're going to try to find yards up the middle. You don't do anything in the quick game to get the ball to your, your dynamic receivers. You don't do anything in the trick game variety. I don't know that Kentucky – under Mark Stoops has ever run a trick play. I'm just being real with you. Again, I think you're correct. They think they're going to line up and play the game of whoever their opponent is. Example, exhibit 579C coming up later this year when they host Alabama, and they're probably going to sit there and try to play Alabama's game. You just wait and watch for it, listeners, because there's nothing to trust here. You've got Liam Cohen back, which I've heard more about Liam Cohen being back than I've heard about so many other topics in this season. Yeah. What is the benefit? He did nothing, nothing to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers other than handing it off to Ray Davis 15 times. I said this. He wouldn't go over 60. He has 59 yards. He didn't finish the game because it was so over by that point. And if he did, he would have obviously gone over 60. I recognize that. But you you throw him two passes, one for 26 yards. He has a touchdown through the air. Throw it to throw it to Ray Davis. Yeah. Throw screens. Yeah. Throw it to Barry on Brown. Throw it to Dane Key. Throw it to Tavion Robinson. The most you did of that was three passes to Dane Key for 65 yards. You did nothing more than that. Yeah. Uh, well, large in part, the reason your statistic hit was because they just got down early and they had to abandon any plate uh, or oh, yeah. uh, complaint that they had. <laughs> but the fact that you said no more than 60 and they hit 59, bro. Hashtag no homo. I could kiss you on the mouth. That was that was a thing of beauty. I want to go back to uh, the clip that I posted on the TikTok account of of you making that claim, making that statement. We had a comment on that thing that said basically that won't happen because Davis is the best 
running back in the conference, and Georgia's defensive line is terrible. So this guy says, listen, the world probably knows now that you and I of Pandemonium Reigns loathe them. But Loath. that is a stupid take. That is a stupid take. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's 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 look at this through the light of Georgia real quick because we could, we could sit on Kentucky all day. They're just oh yeah, just boneheaded decision making. I mean, you might listen. Fire Stoops, go hire Mario Cristobal. You'll be a perfect marriage. <laughs> You'll be a perfect marriage, right? Yeah. All right, so Georgia, I want to hear from the Georgia fans who said before this game, Carson Beck ain't it. I want to. I want comment. Do something. Write me an email at uh, dantucker865 at gmail.com. Find me. Find me. Email me. Show up to my house. Let's have this conversation because I will say what I said going into this game. What more do you want out of him? And in a premier game at home underneath the lights, he goes 28 for 35, 389, four touchdowns, and a uh, a semi-bad pick, good for a QBR of 95.6. This dude is on track. Did you know this? He is on track to be Georgia's all, uh, all-time all single-season passing leader. I have no but you know what? He's not it. He's he's not it, Michael. He's not. He just don't have it. He just. You're an idiot. If you are that, listen to me. Turn your volume up. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. That is the yeah. dumbest take I've ever heard. What more do you want out of this guy? And I'm not, listen, we've, we've beat up on Kentucky. We've beat up on Kentucky. I'll say this about him. They're respectable. They're respectable. Okay. Ish. You, you know can't what? take them lightly. You can't take them lightly. When it comes to Tennessee, Kentucky, I'm not saying that we're the Super Bowl, but they are always going to come out, you know, hair on fire, I guess, aside from last year. Um, we're going to get their best. You know what? Yeah. And they 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 have tiered themselves up into the level for Georgia, and you wet the bed, and Car- all Carson Beck does is just ball against you. And one more thing before I turn it over to you. Okay. Hand Brock Bowers the trophy. Hand it to him. Give it to him. The race is over. The it's race over. is over. It's over. There is no need. There is no need for a ceremony other than to celebrate Brock Bowers because he is the best player of this sport at this level right now. There's nothing that could happen in the next six games of the regular season or in Atlanta or in the playoff. Obviously, the, the trophies handed out before then that, yeah. to the playoff one. There's not a th- – he could, he could drop every target that he gets from here on out. Mm-hmm. And he did drop a touchdown Saturday night. Have you ever seen him drop a touchdown before? I don't know if I've ever seen him drop anything. I haven't seen him drop a, a ball, a, a pack of crackers, a bowl of soup. I haven't seen him drop anything. Hand him the trophy. It's over. Hand him the- – <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> see if he drops that. He single-handedly beat Auburn in a game that, that okay, here's here's the thing for Georgia. Is Auburn now the last mess-around type game that they have? And listen, they messed around against UAB a little bit. They were slow starting against Ball State. They played Auburn so close. But again, you, you, you keep saying this, Auburn played with house money, had nothing to lose. Georgia had a lot more to lose on the road. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a quarterback that's not played in a game like that on the road to that point. And he didn't have a bad game then. Largely because they threw it to their guy Brock Bowers. Yeah, and he is the best that there is in the sport right now. It it doesn't even pain me to say it. He's a bulldog. You got to admire him. You you have to. You have to admire him. The way he plays the game is beautiful. Hand him the trophy. He Hand might him the trophy. He's probably going to go down as the greatest tight end of all time. I mean, he, I mean, he has to, right? And and that's some, that's some elite uh, other elite names that he's going to classify himself with. One hundred percent. Back to Beck. Oh, sorry. Oh. I was just going to go back to Beck okay. for a second. Yeah. Yep. It, there's, there's nothing you can say at this point. If you want to, I, I, I'm even okay. If you want to call Saturday his breakout, which it's not, because he's done that all year long. But if you want to call it his breakout, because it is an SEC opponent, they were undefeated. He was surgical with the football. Mm-hmm. He didn't miss a pass. I thought, what did he start? Ten for ten plus. I think he started ten for ten plus. Oh my gosh, that's out, that's outrageous. Yeah. And that's and he finishes, like you said, 28 for 35. The pick was a high throw within a little traffic. I didn't quite get it. Doesn't phase me in the least. Georgia is and here's what I was going to get to. Georgia is more dangerous in 2023 than they were in 21 and 22. 
Okay, we're gonna have to talk about this uh, before right. before we before we do. Let me just throw out this stat: he almost had as many touchdown tosses as he did incompletions. He's three touchdowns shy of of the matching the incompletions, but more dangerous. Yes, they're more dangerous right. than they were because because you always had the risk, and you even saw it a little bit. Not that he was bad, but you saw it a little bit in their first half and maybe the third quarter against Ohio State. Uh, you saw it against Missouri a little bit last year. If you don't get, you know, Stetson Bennett having his A game or if he's missing throws high or if he's just not seeing things develop, you had you had a chance to potentially outscore them, which has been very hard to do with the defense that they've had. Mm. Now you're going to have to have a shootout with them mm. and you're going to have to hope that your offense can function. Look, they're not sacking the quarterback. They're not getting tackles for loss like they have been. Their defensive or their run defense, is that what the Kentucky fan said? Their run defense, is that mm-hmm. what they, they called it? Is not yeah. terrible. It may right. not be what it was when they had Jordan Davis, the entire state of Georgia, you know, being his his girth, yeah, clogging <laughs> up the middle. They may not be that. Yeah. I think they're what they've been in the back end. You know, I think their their corners can be gotten yeah. here and there. You're not going to do it consistently. Yeah. But now they have this luxury, which which was already there, of if they want to get into a shootout, they score fifty one. On Kentucky, they they were when the t- when the moment came against Auburn, they go right down the field, largely because Brock Bowers, sure, but the balance of of Beck, just just if you haven't seen it, fan, listener, go look at their receiving numbers. Look at the number of people that he spread the ball around to. Yeah, and they they obviously don't have the running back stable that they've had, partially due to injury. Dejan Edwards is that dude. Kendall Milton still a wrecking ball. If you need short yardage or if you need if hey, we're gonna run a draw, it's third and fifteen. He may run over a few guys on his way to getting that. Yeah. Or Carson Beck may just drop it in the bucket and, and pick up that yardage. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say one last thing before we shut this thing down. And it's how undisciplined Kentucky was as well. Uh, and how <laughs> impactful those early penalties were and how stupid some of them were. Um for a coach who's been there a decade. Yep. Right. Now I'm not saying yep. he doesn't have control of the locker room or, or, or anything like that, but my goodness, uh, I think because of that, because of that, and your final score, I'm gonna say hot take: Kentucky got exposed. Exposed. That's what this should be. I mean, some of those penalties that you're that you're talking about, bordering on dirty, something you don't oh, want to yeah. be. Something yeah. that'll get you into places and games that you don't want, where you may have hands thrown, you may have retaliation, you name it. Um, dirty, boring on dirty. The one where they, I think it was Deion Walker dives on it. On I'm going to say it was Georgia Center Cedric Van Pran. I think he dives on him at the end of a play. You got to come on, guys. Stupid. That's the stuff we should be throwing guys out of games for, not you know incidental targetings and things like that. But the officials are so crappy at their jobs, you know they wouldn't know. A, a brick if it hit them in the face. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I agree with you. They got exposed. I think there's there's now a recipe and a formula that you need to attack Kentucky with. I think that their offense can be held in check all day if they're going to try to play their pro-style game. And they yeah. just – they still don't have the dude. They still don't have the offensive line that they need to do things like that. Mm-hmm. It's now been two years since they had any semblance of an offensive line to do that. Will Levis's first year up there, Liam Cohen's – First stint in Kentucky, and I'll say what I've said all along: they still don't have Wondell Robinson. He's not walking back through that door. I think yeah. he was the magic, the magic pill for that offense at that time. It wasn't Will Levis, it wasn't Liam Cohen as much as it was Wondell Robinson, and he's not coming back through that door. You know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and claim it: Kentucky and Devin Leary, excuse me, Devin Leary, will not be drafted high simply because he doesn't look the part. If he was six four, two thirty. He would. Doesn't matter his decision making. Doesn't matter his abilities. He's 6'4, 230, and he can slang it. All right. Nonetheless, we're done. Done beating up on Kentucky. You picked Georgia 27-9. Now, just recapping this real quick. You were so off on the final score, but in principle, you nailed it, bro. Yeah. And and re- listen, now Georgia gives us something else to take into consideration that the levels that their offense can reach against, you know teams of Kentucky, Auburn, their stature, you name it. That was their breakout game. 
they have been fooling around sometimes offensively, sometimes defensively. They didn't fool around for one minute of the 60 on Saturday night. Yes. Yes. Not that I think that Georgia was just out there flexing their muscles because I do think they exposed Kentucky a little bit, but I do I do think Georgia showed a little bit more of, of what they're capable of and, and who they are capable of of being. Yeah. We both whiffed on our final score. You nailed the principle of it. They did more than cover that 14 and a half to the tune of 51-13. The dogs. There's a verb in here that I want to use but I can't think of it. Smack the cats, eat the cats with dogs, rain and dog. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Nonetheless, dogs over cats, big. All right, that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. But you did, uh, before we hopped on here, saying that you've got one thing that you want to throw at me that you want to hit me with. I got one more curveball. It's really more of a fastball because it's really just popping steam right down the middle of the plate. It's not in left field. And we've already said it on this show. I'm going to say it again. USC, they were who we thought they were. Arizona at home in three overtimes. You're not going to the playoff. You might not go to the Pac-12 title game. You ain't it. This is not the the preview episode, but Oregon and Washington is going to be massive. And I think your Pac-12 winner is going to come down to this game and the repeat winner – uh, of this game, leaving out USC. Not that. Listen, I think Arizona's approved, but my word, good God, Lord Almighty, USC. We we said this at the beginning, right? They're going to have to outscore everybody because they don't tackle well in the open field. They 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 don't they don't run fit well. They don't they don't do any of those things well. None of it. They don't do any of it well. And all we heard about right was the addition of Bear Alexander and what he's going to bring. And you know what? Ugh. I think that is a credit, as much as it pains me to say, it's more of a credit to Georgia and who they are as opposed to pulling the the Jimmys and the Joes out and plugging them into another scheme and saying, yeah, let's see who you are outside of us. 100%. We've seen big guys like Georgia has on that defensive front go to other places, not give the effort that they give at Georgia, not be coached the way that they get, that they are at Georgia. You could say the same about Alabama, what they've done on the defensive front for 15 years plus – um, USC, they're not it. They need a they need a total rehaul. As much as 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 much of a deal as it was for them getting Lincoln Riley, they need to go do the same thing defensively if they ever ever want to sniff a national championship. Yes, yes. All right, that's going to bring us to the end of this thing. we got to shut this puppy down. Before we do, I want to let you know, if you are looking for a realtor, Lauren Foster is your girl. Her contact info is in the bio of this episode and in the comments of this video on YouTube. We love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Appreciate you letting us tickle your ears all up in your business and in your speakers. We love you guys. I'm Dan. He's Mike. His hair is still growing. This is Pandemonium Reigns. God bless. Go balls. GBO.